Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Twist my arm to go to church. I'm glad that I'm not here tonight because of guilt. You know, the amount of times that I talk to people who relay to me that really the only reason why they ever go to church at all is just because they feel guilty. And they, every once in a while they need to go to whatever church that grandma took them to or whatever church that somebody took them to. They, they get to feeling real guilty and so then they go and, and uh, they don't know what's going on and they don't know anybody there. And, amen, I'm glad to be in God's house tonight. I'm glad to be here with you. Amen. It's a great crowd, great crowd, and wonderful classes, amen, going on tonight. That's awesome. Uh, we've, been, we've been looking at the idea of holiness uh, a little bit, and I want to continue to look at that tonight. Uh, as I mentioned last week, once the gospel message is applied unto our life, once the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes my death, burial, and resurrection, then, uh, you know, that's not just some sort of like repetitive thing that we go, you know, we got to kind of re-up it. You know how many things in life that you have to re-up? You know, if you want to stay a member of this club, you're going to need to, you need to fill in this form and send in your $99 and, and you can re-up. That's not how it works with the gospel. We do believe in Continue life of repentance. Uh, that's important. Uh, we don't get baptized over and over and over again. Uh, we do feel like you need to be full of the Spirit. Amen? And we believe in speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Amen? As more than just the evidential beginning sign, but as an ongoing thing that we do in our prayer life and as part of our prayer life. We believe in that. Uh, but... What I mean is, is, is outside of that, when that is applied to our life and we, and we learn that, the only other thing that can negatively affect that and therefore keep us from heaven is the life that we actually choose to lead. The life when, you know, when we're not speaking in tongues. Amen? The, the life when we're not in the house of God and the, 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 the stuff that's going in our, in our hearts and in our minds and in our homes. And these things fall under a very broad category of holiness. And so it's important that we, we understand because I don't want to have the gospel applied to my life and then just be like, well, okay, I'm done, I'm good, and never like grow in my relationship with God, never grow in my understanding of a holy God, and miss heaven because I just got all wrapped up in the world again. Right? Amen. And so uh, there's an old song, uh, To Be Like Jesus, uh, I thought about just starting to sing it, but uh, my, <laughs> my voice and everything's really not quite there. Uh, but you know the song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, I only ask to be like him. It's a beautiful old song. Uh, I've always liked it. And I want to I talk about that a little bit tonight because there was, there was a, a little bit of a somewhat subtle shift 
that took place in the Christian world in the early 1990s. Actually, started late 1980s and came about really popular in the early 1990s with the resurgence of WWJD. What does that stand for? What would Jesus do? Everybody remember when that came back on the scene? If you don't, you must have been living in a cave somewhere. Because it was, it was on the shirts, it was on the hats, it was on the bracelets, it was on the pillows, it was in the pictures, it was on the thing. And I want to be very clear, I'm not against it at all. Uh, but actually, it was actually a resurgence that originated in the 1800s from a book by Charles Sheldon that was entitled, In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? And it made a pretty big impact in the 1800s as well. Uh, but the subtle shift that those the, that were kind of in tune with what was happening and watching that begin to feel in the, in the Christian world was a shift from to be like Jesus to do. I want to do the things that Jesus would do. So we went from to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus on earth I long to be like him, to what would Jesus do? I want to do the things Jesus did, which, which ultimately opened up a door that led to what some people call a social gospel, which is uh, really my religion is to feed the poor. It's to clothe those that don't have clothes. It's to help those that are homeless. It's the, the, the widows and all that kind of stuff. And we just came out not too many Wednesdays, a night ago. I spent a whole night talking about being merciful with our money. So if you're misunderstanding me, just go back and watch that again. I'm not against that at all. But there was a little bit of a mental shift that took place in the Christian world. And the thought process is this, and this is an important truth, and I'm going to say it in a way that is absolutely incorrect. You can't do if you don't be. (laughs) Say it with me. You can't do if you don't be. You can't do the things that Jesus would do if you're not like Jesus. You have to be like Jesus to do the things that Jesus would do. So you can't do if you don't be. So put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> so I believe, and I know that you agree with me, there ought to be a longing in the heart of every born-again child of God that the natural desire of every Christian is to be like Jesus, right? To be like Jesus. After all, that is what Christianity is. It's to be Christ-like. And so there ought to be a longing in every Christian heart to be like Jesus, or I should maybe say it like this, to be more like Jesus. To be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, to be more like Jesus a month from now than I am today. And so holiness is uh, nothing more or less than being a true Christian. We just have to have the right definition of what Christian is. We have to understand that it is to be Christ-like and that that being Christ-like, we can only attempt that through a life of holiness. You cannot attempt to be Christ-like without holiness. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. Holiness is the most natural way of life for the born-again child of God. I'm going to say that again. Holiness is the most natural 
way of life for the born again child of God. 2 Corinthians 5, the apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I like the way that is written. They become new. They're not automatically new. They become new. When I get into Christ, I'm going to be Come some things. I'm in a state of becoming. I'm not automatic. When, when, when a person gets uh, uh, baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, they don't just all of a sudden become a, a, a holy person. They don't just all of a sudden everything that they, that they, have, they struggle with or every, every sinful thing in their life or every non-Christ-like thing doesn't just automatically disappear. We all understand that, right? We don't just become perfect human beings. So we're becoming, amen, all things are becoming new. But we also have to understand that that is and should be a reality of anyone who is in Christ Jesus, that we are a new creature. The old things do have to pass away. I believe that in baptism and in the Holy Ghost, I believe there is a real death, and I believe there is a resurrection, and I do believe the sinful things do die. The problem is not that the gospel doesn't work. The problem is is that we just dig them back up again. Amen. Amen. And we all can nod at that because we know that's not the only time that thing's been dead and we went and dug it up again. There are some issues in our life that we have a, 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 almost a, a, a worn-down path to the graveyard, so to speak, that every time we kill it and, and uh, put it under the blood and, and bury it, amen, we know exactly where the shovel is and we know exactly where the path is to go dig that thing up again. The Bible says uh, that old things are supposed to pass away. They're supposed to be dead. Leave them dead. But it follows it up with the understanding that, behold, all things are becoming new. And so there is this process uh, that we, we go through. And the goal is that we become everything that our, our new man is supposed to be. And when I, I say that to, to make the point that holiness, again, is the most natural way of life for the born-again believer, the, our new man does not find holiness to be burdensome and restrictive. Your new man loves holiness. If there's a part of you that doesn't like it, it's the old man. Amen? Your new man wants holiness. Your new man thrives in holiness. The new being, the new things that God is doing in your life feed off of holiness, are strengthened and encouraged by holiness. If there's pushback, it's from the old man. If there's resistance, it's from the old man. The desire for the pleasures of sin, amen, are, are supposed to be replaced and are replaced by the new man, by a longing to, to please Jesus. Amen. So for this lifestyle to work, and that's what it is, it is a life, it's a way of life. It's a way of life. It's not a set of rules. Holiness is a way of life. It's a biblical way of life that's patterned after the word of God. There's no set of rules that could cover it. 
There's no way I could hand you a handbook called holiness and say, you just study this and memorize this and mimic this and you'll be holy. I couldn't give it to you. Right? And so we, we see that for, that for it to work, our spirit must be right. That I cannot have a carnal spirit, some sort of a sour spirit, a bitter spirit. These things can't be allowed to be in me. If they are, holiness is not going to be there. The Bible tells us that the right spirit comes when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't need anything additional to that. When I'm filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I have what I need for me to have a right spirit. I already have it when he puts his spirit in me. Amen. Because my spirit is brought into subjection to his spirit. Amen. Now, first of all, amen, that, there's, a, there's an aspect to that that just happens automatically. Your fleshly spirit and mine know when his spirit is around. Amen. Your, your, your fleshly spirit and mine are aware when the king of kings comes into the room. We are aware when the almighty God comes into the room. Whether we like it or don't like it, we're aware that it's there. Whether we fight it and resist it or embrace it, we're aware that it is there. Amen. And so the, the Holy Spirit is necessary for holy living. It's necessary for salvation. We understand Romans 8 and 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, everybody say if. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. The only way I can be out of the flesh and in the spirit or my life be run, managed, carried about by the spirit is if I have the spirit of God. I can't just know about the Spirit of God. I can't just say that it exists. I can't just claim it because I, you know, I felt some goosebumps one time. I have to be filled with the Spirit of God. But if I'm filled with the Spirit of God, if it dwells in me, then I dwell in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Now, if any man, Romans 8 and 9, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Amen. So, being filled with the Spirit of God is absolutely necessary. It's a non-negotiable, right? And I love non-negotiables that are also gifts. It's a non-negotiable. God says this is non-negotiable. It's so non-negotiable that I'm not going to make it very hard on you at all. I will give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. I promise to give it to you and to your children and to all them that are afar off. All I need you to do is repent of your sins, be baptized in my name, amen, and give your life, and I will give you my spirit. Amen. And with the Spirit of God, we can live a life of victory. Everybody say victory. How many want to live a life of victory? I want to live a life of victory. Romans 8, 1 through 2, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are, what? In Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. So I have to be in him. How do I know I'm in him? I'm not following my flesh around every day. My carnality is not dictating all of my thoughts and my activities. If my carnality is dictating my behavior, I'm not in Christ. 
Because you can't do both of those things at the same time. Right? You can't, you can't do both of those things at the same time. So we walk not after the flesh, but what do they walk after? They walk after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. Somebody say free. free. There's the law that is connected to the Spirit of God that is in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of life. When I get in Christ Jesus, that spirit of life in me, there's a law that says I am free. I am victorious. And what am I free from? Another law of sin and death. There's a law of sin and death that says I'm bound. But there's a law of life in the spirit of Christ that says I'm free. And which one do I get to dwell in? I get to do the one that, 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 that the spirit of God leads me in or the one that my carnality, my spirit of the flesh leads me in, right? So this, this, this law of the spirit of life in Christ, this helps me have the correct attitude in living for God. It keeps my outlook positive. It keeps my outlook positive positive in overcoming the evil that exists in the world. It tells me I can be victorious. It tells me that when I see uh, evil around me, I don't have to succumb to the evil around me because I have a spirit of life. The spirit of life in me outweighs, outnumbers, amen, it, it, it it's more powerful than the spirit of death that is around me. I live in a world that is, is led and directed by the spirit of death. But because I have the spirit of life and you have the spirit of life in me, I don't have to worry about the spirit of death around me. I can walk around in victory even if everybody else is walking around in defeat. I can have joy when everybody else is distraught. I can have courage when everybody else is in fear. I do not have to live my life based upon the environment. I've got a whole other environment going on inside of my life, and that is a spirit of life in Jesus. Amen. So it keeps our, our outlook positive. It takes us, then, from a need to question every valuable standard of holiness, it removes the need to justify myself in questionable circumstances. When you're walking around in the spirit of life and you see that everyone else is living in the spirit of death, you're walking around in light and they're walking around in darkness, you're walking around in victory, they're walking around in bondage. When, you're, when you understand that, you don't then say, well, I don't, I don't know about this holiness thing. It's, this is unnecessary. I don't think that God doesn't, God's asking too much of me. I don't think we should have to do this. I don't think we should. I question this. I want to argue about that with God. I want to debate this. No, you don't do that. When you're walking around in the spirit of life in Christ, you say things like, how can I be more like Christ? How could, I, how could I give more of myself to the Lord? What, what could I do today that would glorify God? What could I change? What could I work on today? What, 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 how much of a better person could I be today? 
What could I surrender to God? When you're walking around in the life that is in the spirit of Christ, you don't wonder about what can I hold on to. You wonder about what more can I let go of? You're not looking for more control. You're realizing that when I had control, I was driving this thing in the ditch. When I gave him control, he took me up to the high places. I'm soaring over the mountaintops now. I don't want more control. I want less control. I want God to be in control. We become focused more on what we can do and less on what we can't do. Now, I say that, but you know it and I know it. You can do whatever you want to do. Right? We don't have a bunch of private investigators following you around. I don't get weekly reports from 30 different private investigators just sitting there with their... getting on your history. We haven't tabbed your, your phones. I'm not the U.S. government. I mean, I'm just saying. We're not watching every move you make. That's not what this faith is about. That's not, that's not a relationship with God. If somebody has to sneak around, follow you, do, see what you're doing, and then beat you over the head when you make a mistake, that's no relationship. Amen. And so you can, you can do whatever you want, but just so we understand kind of the principle of the matter is, is that when you begin to walk around in this spirit of victory, you got the spirit of God in you and you're pursuing after God and you, you want to be more like the Lord. You want to be more like Jesus, to be like Jesus on earth. All I want, all I long for is to be like him. When that is what you do, you're not sitting there talking about how we can't do this and we can't do that and the church says we can't do that and the pastor says we can't do that. No. You're celebrating what you can do. I can live a life free of addiction. I can live with joy in my heart. I can lay down at night with peace and wake up in the morning and have peace. I can have confidence that things are going to go well for me today, that God is with me today, that the devil can't destroy me today. I have victory before the battle even starts. Why? Because I'm walking around with the spirit of the almighty God in me, and I'm pursuing him. Amen. And so a victorious life, amen, in Christ, and a victorious life of holiness is possible if we keep our attitude right and maintain a right spirit. A right spirit. Amen. A right spirit. A right spirit is one of those things that keeps us in tune with one another, but it also keeps us in tune with God. Interesting little thing here. If you have a problem being in in right spirit with your fellow man, you're going to have a problem being in a right spirit with God. Amen. In fact, not to pull back the curtain too much on pastoring, but usually if, if somebody is just having a problem with everybody, I don't really have to have a vision. You're probably having a problem with God. Right? And in the, the sinful things that we get into with each other, uh, envy, jealousy, gossip, these types of things, 
these sinful things that we get into with each other, also very much expose that I have a problem with God. But we don't have to live that way. We don't have to live that way. We can have a right attitude, and we can maintain a right spirit when we pursue a holy God. See, we can't forget that holiness is not man's creation. Holiness is not a man-made concept. It's not a religious concept. It wasn't a group of people that got together and decided we should come up with something and call it holiness. Holiness is from the Lord. Holiness is from the Lord. Not in the sense that God even just created the idea of holiness, in the sense that God is holy. And everything that has ever been holy outside of God only got that way because it got closer to God. Everything that ever became holy only got, you can't get holy any other way. There's nothing else that you can do to get holy except get closer to Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, but as he which hath called you is what? Holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. One of the great attributes of God is that of his holiness. Holiness is his very nature. It's the essence of his being. If you don't really understand how holiness relates to God, I'll say a phrase that'll help you understand it because our world thinks they understand this phrase today. God is love. Right? It's a beautiful thing, God is love. Not a whole lot of people on the earth today that want to argue that. You say God is love, most of the time, you're not going to get any pushback on that at all. God is love. Now, they may have a messed up view of what love is, they may have a really messed up mindset on what, what that means that God is love, but just as much as people just automatically connect love with God, holiness is the same way. God is holy. Amen. It's just who he is. It's the essence of his being. First John 1 and 5, it tells us that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. God is holy, and in him is no, nothing that is unholy or sinful or unrighteous at all. He doesn't have a dark side. He doesn't have a hidden agenda. Right? Sometimes I feel like people are, like, hesitating in their relationship with God because they keep waiting for, like, the other shoe to drop, like, yeah, I'm really going to get in love with this Jesus guy, and then he's just going to do something and hurt me. And He's, he's not your ex-boyfriend. He's not. He's not. And that, that's, you know, that's somewhat humorous, although I think people understand it. He's also not your abusive parent. He's not. He's not that friend that you thought was your very best friend that stabbed you in the back. He's not that. we got to quit pulling him down to our relationship levels. He's, he is holy. He's light, and in him is no darkness at all. He can, not, he can neither sin nor, hear me now, 
he can neither sin nor tolerate sin. Now, we like the first part. I understand. The first part we like, God can't sin. Well, that's good. God, God's, God shouldn't be able to sin. I've always thought that if they're going to be a God, they shouldn't be sinning. We like the first part, God can't sin. But the truth of the matter is he can't, because he's holy, he cannot tolerate sin. Amen. He's holy. And only God is truly holy. He is the only source of absolute perfection. Right? It is not because God is all-powerful and man is limited. That's not the separator between us. It's not like, well, he's God, he's all-powerful, and I'm man, and I'm limited, so that's the thing that separates us. No, the thing that separates us is he's holy and we're sinful. That's the thing, and that's important for us to understand because if it was just his almighty power and our limited ability that separated us, we would never have any hope of getting close to the Lord. I would never be able to say, well, if I can just grow in my power a little bit, if I can work real hard and become almighty, I can get close to the Lord, right? We would never be able to do that, but because that's not the separator, the separator is, he is perfect holiness, and I'm sinful, that means that as I repent of my sins, die out to my sins, and pursue his holiness, I can actually close the gap visually, so to speak, between me and God, and I can become closer to him and be more like him. Amen. The only way to become holy is to go to the source of the holiness. Trying to live holy in our strength trying to live holy in our understanding, trying to live holy because we read a book on holiness, and there are some really good books on holiness that you probably should read, but I'm just saying. Trying to be holy and live holy because of things that I can do myself is just going to bring frustration into my life. Amen? It's just going to bring frustration and defeat He's just going to keep losing. Amen? David didn't say, you come at me in sword and shield, and I come at you in the name of David. Right? And he didn't say, I come at you to the Goliath. I come at you. Uh, you come at me with sword and shield, and I come at you in the name of King Saul. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Right, because you have to connect yourself to God to have the power of God. You have to connect yourself to God and his holiness to have holiness in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. So we go to the source. You remember when God speaks to Moses in the burning bush? The bush is on fire. Moses turns aside. He sees it. He goes over to it, and the, the bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. But the voice of the Lord speaks to him from the bush and says, what? Take off your, for you are, you're on holy ground. 
that wasn't holy ground until God showed up. But when God showed up, the dust of the earth became holy. Just like I'm the dust of the earth. I don't just become holy someday, but when God shows up, oh, hallelujah. When God shows up, this old dust of the earth can become holy. Amen. The fire didn't do it. The presence of God did it. Amen. Only the presence of God can change a sinful man into a saint of God. Under the law of the Old Testament, man became righteous by doing righteous things. They fulfilled the law. They did righteous things that brought righteousness. Under grace, man can be righteous because they have been made righteous. Right? I've been made righteous. It is our responsibility to bring ourselves under the influence of the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning, you will not be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost if you don't want it. Absolutely not. You have to want it. In fact, a lot of times when evangelists and people come through, they'll even take it down even to a more basic level, and they'll even say, you're not going to speak in tongues if you're standing there with your mouth shut. Anybody ever heard an evangelist say that? You have to open your mouth. Now, and I've seen them before. I've seen them. You can't get the Holy Ghost with your, with your, with your mouth shut. You've got to open your mouth. But you know what that is? It's actually faith. That's, it's actually faith. They're just like, oh, okay. And then you're like, put a little breath in that. And then you say, you know, tell the Lord you love him. You know, say something. Do something. Show, show a little involvement here. Right? He is not just going to take over and you're not going to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so it is my responsibility to bring myself under the influence of the Holy Spirit. When I get it the first time, and every other time I get it, and when I'm not speaking in tongues, but I still want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Right? Amen. We're not only under the influence of the Spirit when we're speaking in tongues. We are in Christ. We are in Christ, he is with us 24 hours a day. So I don't have to be speaking in tongues to be led by the Spirit. Right? Amen. If you've ever, if you've ever been out, if you've ever been going through life, and you felt, amen, that, that the presence of God say, you need to do this. You need to go talk to that person. You need to call this person or whatever. That's the Spirit of God who you are in, and he is in you directing your path. You weren't speaking in tongues five seconds before that happened. But it's the Spirit of God directing us. And so if I want to be under the influence of the Spirit of God, I must show that desire. 
I must want that. And one of the ways I show that desire and I want that is by pursuing God on a regular basis. I show my pursuit of God by my activity, by my decisions, by the things I do, by the places I go, by what I think and what I speak. And the more I try to be like Jesus, the more I'm showing my desire to be under the authority and the influence of the Spirit of the Almighty God. If you're cold and there's a fire, you get closer to the fire, right? You're cold, there's a fire, you get closer to the fire to become warm. If you are unholy, you can get closer to Jesus and become more holy. It's not super complicated, really. It's really about daily decisions that I'm making. It's daily decisions. If I want more holiness in my life, then when I wake up in the morning, I have to decide to pursue after Jesus today. I have to decide to spend some time in prayer. I have to decide to open my Bible and read my Bible. I have to decide about which radio station I'm going to put on in the car or which CD or which, for your new cars, whatever you got programmed into that computer in the dash. I have to decide what I'm going to allow into my brain today. I have to decide the conversations I'm going to have with my coworker or not have with my coworker. Does everybody get what I'm saying? I have to make decisions to say I want to pursue after God because I have a desire to be more holy. I want to be more like Jesus. Now, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're cold, you get closer to the fire. You know, the physical result of getting too close to the fire is that you get burned. And I... I mentioned this already a little bit, but this is what I think scares some people, that they think, well, if I go all in, I'm going to get burned. I like this church thing. This is cool. It's a lot of energy in the room. Some friendly people. I'm comfortable there. But if I go all in, they've got this weird fleshly fear that if somehow I go all in with this thing, it's going to backfire on me. I'm going to get burned. But that's the physical result of getting too close to a physical fire. Let me tell you, the spiritual result of getting uh, closer to the fire is that you can become one with the fire. Oh, hallelujah. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 9 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20. Look at this with me. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. None of these people are going to inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Somebody say amen. amen. And such were some of you. But ye were what? 
You were washed. You were sanctified. You, were, you, you, you gave yourself to, to God, and he set you apart. But you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. My justification comes from him. It comes from him, what he's done. I didn't die on Calvary. He died on Calvary. I'm justified by his sacrifice, not my sacrifice. Amen. By his, it's the grace of God. And so the, the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, all things are lawful unto me, but, somebody say, but, but all things are not expedient. Everything's lawful, but everything's not good. Everything is lawful, but everything's not healthy. Everything's lawful, but everything doesn't get me closer to a holy God. It doesn't get me closer to a holy God. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Oh, hallelujah. He says, there are things that are lawful to me that I could do, but I don't do those things because they hinder my ability to grow, draw closer to Jesus. And he says, there are other things that are lawful, but I will not do those things because I'm not going to be uh, under the thumb of that thing. My life is not going to be dictated by thing, that thing. I'm not going to be under the authority of that thing. I don't surrender my will to that thing. I surrender my will to God. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Verse 14, and God hath raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the, are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. Not if I want to pursue holiness, not if I want to stay in the spirit of victory, not if I want to live a life that's separated from the nonsense I'm seeing around me. If I want joy and peace and strength, I'm not going to do that. What? Know ye not that that which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. You cannot connect yourself to sinful things and be connected to God. He is a God of holiness. He has no sin. He cannot tolerate sin. Sin doesn't get to dwell where God is. Amen. But he that is joined unto the Lord, look at it. But he that is joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. If you're cold, get closer to the fire. But you don't have to be worried about getting burned because if you get close enough to the fire, you eventually just become one with the fire. You become one with the Spirit of God. You become one with the power, the truth of God. You can be in Him and Him in you. Oh, hallelujah. He that is joined in the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not? Your body is what? It's the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. The Holy Ghost is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Glorify God with your body. So he says, there's two things here that need to be holy. My body and my spirit. Everybody say body. body. Everybody say spirit. spirit. 
Both of these things need to be holy. Everybody say holy. Both of these things need to be holy, body and spirit. So I cannot just somehow create some spiritual world and say that in that spiritual world is the only place that holiness exists. Because he says that also holiness exists in the physical world. There are things about this body that need to be holy. Amen. Things about this body that need to be holy. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Holiness comes from the heart. If I say the heart, the heart, the feelings, the will, the intellect, how you feel, what you think, what you do, that's who you are. It's the heart of a person. It's not some abstract, mystical, angelic piousness. Holiness is not a retreat that you go on. Well, I'm going to go on a holiness retreat, and I'm just going to get a cabin in the woods and bring my Bible and and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get holiness for for the weekend. Just be holy for the weekend. That's not what holiness is. I mean, my flesh likes a cabin in the woods. <laughs> that could be appealing. I don't. I mean, that that could be fun anytime. That's not what we do. We don't go on holiness retreats. We don't set aside certain days to be holy. Sunday's not my holy day. Or, or a couple hours on Sunday is not my holy time, unless it's football season. 10 to 11.30 is not my holy time, and then 6.30 to 8.30. God, I give those to you, consecrated to you. I sacrifice those for you. No. It's not something like that. Holiness is actual. It's everyday application in life. It's real. Somebody say it's real. Holiness affects every aspect of our lives. All of our attitudes, our moods, our emotions are controlled by holiness. If we have holiness, it can, they will all operate under the power and the control of that holiness that we have brought into our lives, once again, willingly, not unwillingly, It wasn't forced upon me. I wanted to be more like Jesus. You wanted to be more like Jesus. You pursued it, and therefore your attitudes and your moods and your thought processes, your conduct and your speech and your dress and your recreation and what you put on your body and what you put in your body and what you let in your mind and what you let in your heart and what you let in your marriage, all of these things are are under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God and the holiness of God that I pursued after because I wanted wanted that more than anything in this world. It affects every aspect. The heart is the dwelling place of our emotions. The Christian life is an expression of what dwells in our heart. My life is an expression. It's showing people what's on the inside. Amen. What would happen if if they did a survey of your workplace about you 
And one of the questions was, is so-and-so a Christian? Do you think so-and-so loves Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength? What would your coworkers put down? What would your family members put down? Right? And even if we got all them fooled, God still has to fill out a form. What would he put down? Matthew 12, you know this, I use this all the time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? The mouth speaks. Your mouth gets its words from your heart. What comes out of your mouth is affected by your heart. But you know what? That's not the only thing that comes out of our heart. What is in my heart is expressed in how I dress. Am I right? What's in my heart is expressed in how I dress. What's in my heart is expressed in how I act. What's in my heart is expressed in my ethics, how I treat other people. What's in my heart is, 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 is whether or not I am comfortable stealing the stapler from work and bringing it home. Right? It's what's in my heart. It's what's in... <laughs> I feel like I might have hit something there with that stapler. Too. <laughs> Maybe we should just open the altars and... <laughs> Just pray for a little bit here about that. (laughs) What is in the heart cannot be kept hidden. If God's presence is there, if holiness is there, it's going to show forth. And it's going to show forth the glory of God. Not my glory. Amen? Not my glory. Not my praises. It's going to show forth his praises. Somebody say his praises. 1 Peter 2 and 9, but ye are chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're a set-apart people. You've been chosen by God that ye should what? Show forth the praises of, of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I'm all those things. I'm all those things. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a a, a holy people. I'm a peculiar people. I'm all those things. Why? I'm all those things because God and his holiness made me those things. And because I'm those things, my life shows forth his praises. And it shows forth his praises. And it says of me, I was once a sinner, but God brought me out. I was once in darkness, but he brought me into his marvelous light. I didn't do this. I just went after a God who was able to do it. I was after a God who was able to do it. Amen. And so our holiness glorifies God. It doesn't glorify ourself. It exalts Jesus Christ. The holiness of God is a reflection of the Lord's glory. When someone is transformed, when someone is delivered from the bondage of sin, the life of holiness they live is a result of a divine miracle in their life. Amen. Let me say it like this. If you're living for God today, if you're really living for God, you're a miracle. 
You're a miracle. You've been transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a miracle. That's a healing of your mind. Oh, hallelujah. That's a miraculous thing that has taken place. You ought to remind yourself of that when you get up in the morning and you choose to let your life, your activities, your actions, everything you do, everything you say, and everything you think to glorify God that day, you ought to say, I'm a walking, talking miracle. I've been transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not who I used to be. I've been born again. That's a miraculous thing. Oh, hallelujah. It's a miracle, and it causes other people to see it, and it causes them to give glory to God. They become a conduit by which witness goes forth. And so as the process begins, we have to understand, a Christian may be blameless. I need you to hear this now, okay? We're, we're, we're all right. A Christian may be blameless, and yet at the same time not faultless. This is important for us to understand as a church body. A person may be living up to all the knowledge and understanding that they've received, and while living up to that, there may be some things they still need to learn. And see, sometimes people think about that, and they get all like, oh, I don't know what kind of doctrine this is teaching. Let me just flip it on you a little bit. Let me just flip it on you a little bit. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Raise your hand if you have no room to grow. So you may right now be living blameless before God, but not faultless before God. Because there's some things that he's still going to show you. There may be some things he's going to expose about you tomorrow that you're not even aware of or a problem yet. Amen. And we have to be careful, and I'm just going to jump over here for a second and say this, and then I'll get back to the lesson. We have to be careful as a church that we don't try to put onto other people what was never put on us. And that we don't put onto other people this expectation that they're supposed to be meeting things that we just learned last week. I've been, you've been in church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and someone comes to church and they've been coming to church for a year and we're shaking our head like, I don't know why they're taking so long to figure it out. There's a lot of things that they're having to figure out. Amen? They may be trying to figure out how to live life sober. Oh, man. And all I'm saying is, is just remember that God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing with them just like he knows what he's doing with us. And they're not perfect, and we're not perfect. And we're all trying to get closer to Jesus. And we all don't make those, we don't all grow at the same time, in the same way, in the same things. We're not all battling the same things. We're not all dealing with the same issues. Amen. And so they may be living that. A newborn babe in Christ cannot be expected to know as much as a mature saint of God. Is that true? Amen? Let me, I'll, let, once again, I'll flip the script on it. If a newborn babe in Christ knows as much as you do, saint of God, you, you need to look in the mirror. I, it, it, I have a problem. 
If I've been around it for, for my whole life and they know as, as much as I do and they understand as much as I do, I'm, I haven't progressed very much, right? This, by the way, is why God gave us pastors and teachers, Ephesians 4, 12, and 13, for the perfecting of the what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If we were born perfect, if we were perfect when the gospel was applied, we wouldn't need any of that. I wouldn't need any of that if I was perfect already. I wouldn't need all that if I understood everything already. But I'm not perfect, so I need perfecting, it says. It means that the work of the ministry has to be done. It means there's edifying that needs to happen to the body of Christ. Until we all, he says, come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until we all get there, amen, we're all at different places achieving different things, but the goal is simply this, I got to wake up every day and say, I want to pursue after a holy God, I want my life to look more like Jesus today than it did yesterday, I want to know more about him, I want to experience more about him, I want to be like Jesus, I want to be like Jesus, and so as Christians, we must maintain a desire to be, to be perfect and to seek God's will. I, must, I, I want that. I, I, want, I, I should be pursuing after that. Growth. Right? All right. I think you got the point. <laughs> this, by the way, is why we need more Bible study teachers. We need more Bible study teachers because we got all, people are always coming in. They're always coming in. And Sunday and Wednesday ain't cutting it. We need more people meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, opening up the Bible, teaching people the Bible, showing them what the Bible has to say. Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.12, not as though I had already attained, either was already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm following after Christ because I'm trying to grab a hold of who he is. I want to become one with the fire. And he challenged the Hebrew Christians. He says, I want you to press for perfection. In chapter 6, he says, let us go on unto perfection. Go on unto perfection. So that means that a holy God is a sinless God, and he will not tolerate sin at all. Right? So that means a Christian will not tolerate anything they know to be a sin. It's like a two plus two equals four thing. Pursuing after a holy God. I want to be one with the fire. He's a holy God because he does not tolerate sin. He is a sinless being, but I'm trying to become like him. If he doesn't tolerate sin, I can't tolerate sin. And just so we're all clear, I'm not saying that you can't tolerate sin in others around you. I'm saying we can't tolerate sin in ourselves. Right? I can't tolerate to have sin in my life. So we have to decide what we're going to do and what we're going to live. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you, guide you. How many are thankful for a guide? 
He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall, he shall hear, yet shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so God leads us, and God directs us. And in his leading and his directing, we feel things, don't we? We feel things like conviction. If I say conviction, we feel things like conviction when sin is there. And when we know, we may not even understand, but we can just tell, I, th- this is not right. I shouldn't be feeling this way, thinking this way, talking this way, behaving this way. I shouldn't be here right now. I shouldn't be in this environment right now. Conviction begins to speak to us. Conviction is an unpleasant feeling. Right? It's unpleasant. It's a sure sign that we should not be doing what we are doing. It's the, conviction is the grace of God, by the way. Conviction is grace. Some people think they've got such a messed up view of grace that think that living in grace means I don't have any conviction because I'm in grace, nothing's wrong. They're, they're so wrong. It's so wrong. I just want to, no. You want what grace looks like? Conviction. It looks like conviction because he loves me enough to let me feel that something's wrong here. And I shouldn't live this way or do this way or think this way. So we listen to the voice of the Spirit. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Holiness is powerful. Holiness is wonderful. Holiness affects every single aspect of our being. He will call us to higher levels of holiness, but he will not force us into higher levels of holiness. He will try to show us that it's better. He will give us that whole taste and see that the Lord, he is good, applies here. Holiness is one of those things that as you try it, you realize, wow, I'm a better person because of this. I, I like who I am more because of this. And so he calls us into holiness. But we need to understand that holiness is a necessity. It's not an option. Holiness is essential to our salvation. If a sinner must forsake sin to be saved, do we believe that? Do I have to repent of my sins and forsake my sins to be saved? Do I have to agree that I need to go down in a watery grave of baptism and have my sins washed away? That's forsaking my sins, isn't it? If repentance is a 180-degree turn, it means I'm going completely opposite direction I used to go. If a sinner must forsake sin to be saved... A saint must live free of sin to stay saved. I'm I'm glad I still have repentance, and I'm glad the blood still flows. But I can't just accept sin in my life and live in sin and think I'm saved. Amen. Paul wrote in Hebrews 12, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. Ephesians 5 and 27, last verse. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should, that it should be holy and without blemish. That's the bride of Christ that we're trying to be a part of. I want to be a part of it. 
to be a part of it, to fit that category, I have to be going after the holiness of God. I have to be endeavoring every day to live holy. Let's lift our hands and just ask God to help us. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.